Welcome to Infinite Fellowship Ministries where we train believers to know and to pursue God's perfect will so as to yield fruit for His kingdom. Here is a sermon by Reverend Geoffrey Mushai. We bless the Lord. I want to pray before I start sharing and so please join me. Heavenly Father, I thank you because you are truthful in all of your ways. I thank you because you love us with an everlasting love. I thank you because you are the mediator of the new covenant. I thank you because you have a plan and a purpose for our lives. And today we surrender our minds, we surrender our hearts that we may partake of the word of life, that we may partake of the bread of life, O oh God, that our lives will never be the same again because we have had an encounter with the divine. And therefore, come, Lord, and take charge, take your place, and minister to us this day. In Jesus' name we pray and give thanks. Amen. Amen. And so I'll go right into the word of God today, that which God placed in my heart. And my prayer is that we'll be able to flow and to follow uh, because today is going to get a bit technical. So I'll be continuing with the subject, the patterns of Christ. This is part two. Yeah. And today I'll be diving into the element of the vine and the branch together with the shepherd and the sheep. And so flow with me as we dissect the word of God. Yes. To start, we will go to the book of John chapter 15, verse 1 to 8, and I'll be reading this in the Amplified Classic Edition. John chapter 15, verse 1 to 8, and this is how it goes. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Any branch in me that does not bear fruit, that stops bearing, he cuts away, trims off, takes away. And he cleanses and repeatedly prunes every branch that continues to bear fruit to make it bear more and richer and more excellent fruit. You are cleansed and pruned already because of the word which I have given you, the teachings I have discussed with you. Dwell in me and I will dwell in you. Live in me and I will live in you. Just as no branch can bear fruit of itself without abiding in and being vitally united to the vine, neither can you bear fruit unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever lives in me and I in him bears much abundant fruit. However, apart from me, cut off from vital union with me, you can do nothing. If a person does not dwell in me, he is thrown out like a broken off branch and withers. Such branches are gathered up and thrown into the fire and they are burned. If you live in me, Abide vitally united to me and my words remain in you and continue to live in your hearts. Ask whatever you will and it shall be done for you. When you bear produce much fruit, my father is honored and glorified and you show and prove yourselves to be true followers of mine. And so today I want us to consider something. Every word that is spoken by the mouth or written in any literature is an overflow of the streams of the heart that are influenced or inspired 
by a spirit entity. Yeah. Are we together? The Bible in, in, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15, it says uh, that all scripture is given by inspiration of God. Meaning that every word that is written in the book we call the Bible is inspired by God. Yes. And even as today we witnessed every prophetic word does not proceed forth by the will of man, but it is inspired and People are moved by the Holy Spirit to utter that which God is saying. And so the words that you speak as an individual reveal the thoughts you think, the content you consume, and the company that you keep. I want us to consider for a moment. You see, if I wanted to speak like an academic, someone who's learned, uh, all I needed to do was to start thinking like one and in order for me to start thinking like an academic I need to consume academic content does that make sense so I go to YouTube I google academic content I start consuming it I'll probably pass uh, to the naive fellow as an academic but if I want to be an academic I have to subject myself to the discipline of academia which entails consuming selected academic content, engaging with other academics, including the lecturers, and submitting to the curriculum of the academic institution that I am enrolled in. Mm. Are we together? Uh -huh. Therefore, as I submit to the discipline and as I forgo every other luxury that would, con would, would contend for my time, I become more established as an academic. And for the institution to test the level to which I have matured, they will subject me to different trials and tests before they can certify that I have attained to a certain standard that would cause them to grant me authority in that particular field of academia that I was studying. If you recall, uh, for most of us, if not all of us, your journey in school entails something similar to that particular journey and description. It's unfortunate, however, that many Christians live a life that implies that they are more interested in speaking like Christ than being like Christ. It is very unfortunate. We go to YouTube, we consume a lot of Christian content, we are filled with all the Christian buzzwords, but when the test of faith comes, we are found to fall short of having Christ's stature. You see, this religious disease, which is basically professing, you know, a faith, but denying the power that transforms us inside yeah. becomes worse if we happen to manifest some form of result. Hey! It becomes worse because if you manifest some form of result because of your discipline in consuming content, you get, you know, you get promoted to be a leader in church. Hey! Hey! And you see, once that happens, it be, you, you end up being in a very sad state. If we consider the book of Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 to 23, there's something I want us to take note of. And I'll be reading the New King James Version. You see, 
Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who, who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? cast out demons in your name and done many wonders in your name and then I will declare to them I never knew you depart from me you who practice lawlessness so what these scriptures implies is that it is possible for you to have results as a result of the things you're exposed to but just because you manifest results does not mean you have a relationship with the one that we call Christ are we together and so we need to understand that God is very much interested in the result and in the outcome of our very lives. Uh -huh. And the question I want to start us off with is this. Have you borne the fruit of the word of God in your life? If you were to do a personal audit, yeah. would you say that I am bearing the fruit of God's word? Uh -huh. Have you borne the fruit of the word of God over infamy? Now, this one is a tricky one. For some of us who have been coming to infamy for close to, for over 10 years. And the question I have for us today is, I, have you borne the fruit of being in this house? We, we pride ourselves as, uh, you know, as, as an institution where we train believers to know and to pursue God's perfect will so that we can yield fruit for his kingdom. And today I have one question for you, which is to what extent have you known and pursued God's perfect will over your life? And are you bearing fruit for his kingdom? Consider that when God will judge every one of us by virtue of sitting in this hall and being part and associated with this ministry, that is what he will judge us by. That which he outlaid as the blueprint of this work. And so we need to be very careful in how we handle ourselves. Friends, do you know that it is actually possible for God to grant you all the desires of your heart. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Do you know that it's possible? Do you know that it is possible for God to grant the wishes that you have? I remember when I was growing up as a believer, I was blown away that the God that I, have, I am getting to know is a God who's able to grant me my wishes and who's able to grant me my desires. If we go to the book of John chapter 15, verse 7, I'll read it in a couple of renditions or translations, or rather versions, for us to be able to get the gist of what I'm, 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 I'm pointing our attention to. In the New uh, International Version, this is how John chapter 15, verse 7 reads. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. In the New King James Version, it reads as follows. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. In John chapter 15, again, verse 7, in the Amplified Classic Edition, this is how it reads. If you live in me, abide vitally united to me, and my words remain in you and continue to live in your hearts, ask whatever you will, and it shall be done for you. 
My question to us today is, what prayers are you making to God? When you are reaching out to God, do you reach out to God with the understanding that he is able to grant you the desires of your heart, the things that you wish for? You see, sometimes when we engage with God, we fail to realize that whenever God speaks a word, he speaks that word within a specific context. And today I want us to dissect the context within which that invitation is made. That invitation for us to come before him and ask whatever we wish, whatever we desire, and it will be granted to us. You see, many of us desire for our prayers to be answered and for our dreams to be fulfilled, but we don't take time to study the ways of God and the context within which God fulfills our desires. Are we together? Many other times we pray, you know, delight in the Lord and he will grant us the desires of our hearts. But we focus so much on the things that are pressing within our hearts more than delighting in the Lord. So in order for us to understand the context better, the context in which God will supply all of our needs according to his riches in glory, we need to decipher the analogy of the vine and the branches. Uh-huh. Please go with me to John chapter 15, verse 1 to 2, and just have it there for us to look at it again. These are the words of Christ Jesus, and this is what he said. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Any branch in me that does not bear fruit, that stops bearing, he cuts away, trims off, takes away, and he cleanses and repeatedly prunes every branch that continues to bear fruit to make it bear more and richer and more excellent fruit. And so I want us to, to, to understand the personas that Jesus is referring to. The first thing we learn in this particular verse is that the father is referred to as the vine dresser. And so what does it mean? So the father is the vine dresser. Jesus is the fine, sorry, vine. Uh, hello, people are awake. Awesome. <laughs> and you and I are branches. Very important to understand where everything is placed in this particular analogy that Jesus gives. So who is the vine dresser? The first thing I want to share with us to consider is that the vine dresser owns the piece of land upon which the vine is planted. Meaning that the vine dresser is responsible for the, the vine that is planted, the nutrition that is required to be supplied to this vine so that it's fruitful. And he is careful and masterful to ensure that he watches over the vine so that it is able to bear the kind of fruit he had in mind for it. You see, the father as the vine dresser is the source of the vine. He determines where, when, and how it is planted. And he has a very specific objective in mind when it comes to this vine. You see, there is no farmer that I know that will plant a crop in a farm without expecting a harvest. Uh-huh. There's no farmer that I'm aware of. If anything, if a farmer plants a crop that does not bear any fruit, well, what will he do? He will uproot it, he will burn it, and then he will plant something else. Why? Because he wants to make the most profit out of that piece of land. And so the father's main objective is reaping the most 
excellent fruit yeah. from the vine. And the, the reason why this is important to understand is because the father is most pleased, honored, and even glorified when the vine bears much fruit. Yes. You get. In John chapter 15 verse 8, this is how it reads. When you bear or produce much fruit, my father is honored and glorified, and you show and prove yourselves to be true followers of mine. And so, with this in mind, you need to understand that the vine dresser understands the needs of the vine. Yes. By the time he's selecting that I want to plant this vine in this part of the farm, he, he has knowledge of the requirements of this vine and the atmosphere and the environment that it, it takes for this vine to be fruitful according to his specification. He's masterful of the soil, of the water, of the nutrition, of the atmosphere that is required for this vine to do its best work. In Isaiah chapter 55 verse 10 to 11, this is what we read and, and get to learn. For as the rain and the snow come down from the heavens and return not there again, but water the earth and make it bring forth and sprout, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return to me void without producing any effect or useless, but it shall accomplish that which I please and purpose, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. When Jesus was speaking, when we read the book of John, when we go through the Gospels, Jesus said that he did not come to speak of him, of himself. He did not come to give of his own words. He came to speak to us of the words that he had received from the Father. And so it therefore follows that when the Father is taking care of this vine, what he does is that he supplies every nutrition this vine needs through his words. Does that make sense? Basically, think of it this way. You see, every branch that needs to be fruitful needs to get its supply from the vine. The vine is what is connected to the root, to the ground, from which every nutrition is drawn. And so, the desires of the Father are transmitted to the branches through the vehicle of the words through the vine. Are we together? It means that if God wants to strengthen you, he will, he will deploy a word of strength through the vine for you to be empowered. If God wants to build you up, he will deploy a word that will build you up through the vine so that it may get to you. Are we together? That is how the Father works. And so how we grow in stature as the branch is as a result of our connection to the vine. Are we together? And our growth is not according to our blueprint. Our growth is according to the blueprint of the vine. That is very important for us to understand. We do not choose that I am going to grow like this. I grow as a consequence of the nature I partake from the vine. Are we together? The other function I want us to understand is this, and this one is really critical. You see, in verse 2 of, the, of, of John chapter 15, this is how it reads. It talks about the father cutting away the branches that are, you know, that, that are unreceptive to the supply of the word of God. 
Because if a branch is not fruitful, the implication is that it is not partaking of its rightful supply. And so his responsibility is to cut it, to cut everything that prevents the vine from being fruitful. And we need to consider that it is only a sick branch that withers when everything that it needs is supplied. Think about that for a moment. It's only something, it's only a branch that is sick because of other reasons that would cause it, even though it's getting its rightful supply, not to grow. One of the questions I want us to be thinking about even as we continue with this first part is, where has the Lord planted me? In which part of the vine am I planted? Because where I am planted determines my supply. Yes. Are we together? And the supply that is received from where I'm planted is defined and governed by the Father. Because when he sends forth his word, he has an intention and a purpose that he desires for to be accomplished by virtue of the sending forth of that word. Yes. Are we together? Yes. And so, in order to curb the infection in the case of a branch that is not growing, to, to prevent the infection from, spe- from spreading, the father will cut off or trim off the branch so that it, his resources are not wasted. Hey! And part of how he does this is he allows circumstances to play out. The winds, you know, if, if we take the analogy of the vine, there are certain winds, there are certain animals that will come and they will break things off. In our context and in our situation, he will allow circumstances to happen. He will use the device of the false prophet to really reveal where we stand. God will use frustrations and tribulations and trials to truly reveal where we stand. And so we need to be careful how we stand in the vine that we are planted in. The thing to also take note is that the father cleanses and repeatedly prunes every branch that continues to bear fruit so that it can bear more richer and more excellent fruit. What does this mean? Part of what this means is that God will subject us to dealings. Dealings that are tailor-made to align our character to the character of Christ. Dealings that are tailor-made to ensure that we are not controlled by our appetites. Consider for a moment that part of the admonition we have received today about our diet, our nutritional diet, has a lot to do with the fact that in light of the purpose of God, if we are not masterful of our physical diet, it can cut short God's agenda in our lives. We are a community where God spoke to us that we need to control the diet we consume on media. Why did God say that? It is because God is very specific about how we grow. He wants to prune and to, to, to control the things that, that capture our attention so that our focus is not lost on him, especially as he moves in our lives. I, I love today's service because today's service underscored a, a critical point that God placed in my heart. You see, part of the pruning journey is God exposing us to divine encounters. And the reason why divine encounters are important is because divine encounters usher us into God's reality. And when we are in God's reality, then his possibilities become our possibilities. Consider that when you are connected to the vine, 
you, your strength is not a, a matter or subject of everything that you've been able to master. Your strength is the strength that you draw from the vine. Your supply is the supply that you draw from the vine. And so we need to understand that the process of pruning is the process of divine dealing or discipline that confirms that we are connected to the vine. And as God deals with us, we are able to get to the place where we yield that more excellent and richer fruit. And so we should not despise the dealings of God. We should choose to submit to God that we may be found fruitful. Because the Father will continue pruning us until we get to the place where we are pleasing and appealing to him. I don't know what you're, 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 you're meditating on. I don't know what you're thinking and considering. But I want you to think for a moment about the kind of joy it would give our Father in heaven if we were able to be as fruitful as he ordained us to be. Wow. Wow. That in itself, that affirmation of us being fruitful. You know, I came to learn when you are fruitful, when you do the thing that God ordained you to do, the very action of doing that thing in itself is like food to you. Wow, wow. When you do the thing that God configured you for, you are able to tap into a reality of divine sustenance. You know, Jesus said, you know, they were, they were in Samaria and Jesus was hungry and the disciples went to get some food. And Jesus engaged the woman at the well. And when the disciples came, Jesus was in a very interesting state. And he told the disciples, my food is to do the will of the Father. As in, my source of nu nutrition, my source of strength is to do the very thing for which God gave. Hey! God caused me to come to the earth to do. And so I want to, to, to welcome us to understand that there's a place of supply, there's a place of affirmation, there's a place of strength. is our only means not only to come to God, but to be sustained in God. There's a reason why Psalms chapter 23 reads the way it reads. And I, and I want to read it for a moment for us to consider it. This is how it goes. The Lord is my shepherd. And this is an amplified classic edition. The Lord is my shepherd to feed, guide, and shield me. I shall not lack. He makes me lie down in fresh, tender, green pastures. He leads me besides the still and restful waters. Put in another way, without God providing your sustenance, you wouldn't even stand a chance to find it. Without God making a place for you to have a future and a hope, you wouldn't do anything. Are we together? He refreshes and restores my life, myself. He leads me in paths of righteousness, uprightness and right standing with him, not for my earning it, but for his name's sake. Yes, though I walk through the deep sunless valley of the shadow of death, I will fear or dread no evil, for you are with me, your rod to protect and your staff to guide. They comfort me. And then the, the verse 5 continues and reads, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My bringing, brimming cup runs over. You see, we need to understand 
that we cannot fight and we do not fight against flesh and blood. And the offensive strategy and the defensive strategy God has given us is an enigma. And I call it an enigma because I'm still trying to understand it. And to understand the strategy that God has given us, we turn to the book of Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12 to 17. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12 to 17. And this is how it reads in the New King James Version. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Guys, these things are real. These things are real. These things that are principalities, spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places, rulers of darkness, these things are real. If, if you go through, this, this is a wonderful teaching that Rev. Dan and, and Mary, I almost said Rev. Mary, did with regard to, I think it was the gate of government. And they were talking about how, you know, by the time you're coming to the face of the earth, there's already a darkness that is prevailing. What that means is that by the time you're coming to the earth, the, 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 the darkness that is at play is so thick that unless God exposes you to the light, you wouldn't even know the kind of deception that is already instituted. Yeah. Are we together? And so we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. But this is where it gets interesting. It says, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand, stand therefore. Yeah. As in, the offensive strategy and the defensive strategy of the kingdom is to stand. Hey. And I found that to be very ironic because when I think about fighting, when I think about warfare, when I think about, you know, the, the analogies we have, right now we know very well that there's a war going on between Russia and Ukraine. And when I look at how they are fighting, people are not standing. People are going to capture territory, true or false. But in our kingdom, the, the, the strategy that we are given is one that requires us to stand. And so we need to understand the kind of standing that God is referring to here. You see, our entire arsenal, the arsenal that is described further in this particular verse, uh, scripture rather, in terms of the waste of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, feet are, you know, prepared in readiness for the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, the sword of the spirit. All of this is arsenal that we wear in Christ. These are living qualities. Consider that for a moment. These are living qualities. And... Our arsenal as believers is in Christ, though our focus today will not be on these elements. Our focus will not be on these elements. Our focus will be on us standing, the place that God wants us to be. You see, the place that God has called us to stand is in his light. Because as we stand in his light, his light has a corrosive impact that dispels the darkness. 
as the light continues to shine in us, as his light shines brighter and brighter, as his glory is invested in us, that very thing is what contends against every force that militates against us. And this is how it reads in John chapter 1, verse 5. And the light shines on in the darkness, for the darkness has never overpowered it, put it out or absorbed it or appropriated it and is unreceptive to it. You see, the reason I'm taking time to dig a bit deeper with regard to where we stand in Christ as sheep in light of the fact that we have no defense strategy outside crisis because as believers, we will always be in a context of contention. And this contention will be light against darkness. Darkness seeking to colonize and to master us and us aligning and choosing to align to the light of Christ. And when we do not understand the nature of this contention, when we do not understand the wisdom that God has given to us, what will happen is that we will receive of the promise of God's word but fall short of walking into its manifestation. Because it is one thing for the word to proceed forth, but it is another thing for you to be masterful in the word of God. You see, the word of God may come forth and it may read and say, be still and know that I am God. But it is your responsibility to stand upon the promise of that. Are we together? Yes. If we consider the story of uh, King Jehoshaphat, there was an army. He hadn't done anything to attract, you know, Je Jehoshaphat woke up and one day he, was, he, he learned that there, was, there were three nations that were marching against him. And he did not know what to do, but he chose to stand in God. And guess what strategy God gave him? Be still and know that I am God. How often do we take time to hold on to God's word and stand upon its promise and the integrity of the person who spoke it? The sad reality is we often don't do so. In fact... I want, to, I want us to consider something. You see, every time God speaks the prophetic word, today we witnessed people being spoken to prophetically by God. You see, that word that God gives forth is the arsenal that we stand upon because there's a battle that is coming. And that battle will test not only your resolve, but the place upon which you are standing. Are we together? And so even though the battle that we fight is not against flesh and blood, the truth of the matter is that we will often find ourselves in a place and in a context where our contention in the spirit will manifest through human agents. You see, the enemy uses human agents or situations to try and displace our internal convictions. But we have to take our stand and understand that the shepherd of our souls will never let us go let go of us, even in the valley of the shadow of death. When we consider the book of Romans chapter 8, verse 35 to 39, this is how it reads. And I pray that this will be a word for some of us here, or someone that is here. Romans chapter 8, verse 35 to 39. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? 
as it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Take note. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither life, death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. We need to understand that nothing can ever separate us from our God. And anything that even dares to threaten our position in him serves and stands as his, it serves and stands as something that he will oppose in order to keep us and to redeem us. Are we together? Yes. And so we have a responsibility to keep our position in Christ as sheep. We have a responsibility to keep our gaze, to keep our focus, to keep our audio equity fully dedicated to the shepherd of our souls. You see, as we position ourselves, as we stand still in the posture of worship, God will enable us to witness his salvation. God will enable us to see our enemies defeated. Put in another way, God, as you, as you choose to align with God, as you choose to stand upon his word, God will help you to overcome every addiction, everything that serves as a snare to you, everything that prevents you from walking in God's perfect will. As you stand in him, it melts away like wax. The final thing I want us to consider is found in Psalms 32, verse 7 to 9. Psalms chapter 32, verse 7 to 9. And this is how it starts. You are my hiding place. You shall preserve me from trouble. You shall surround me with songs of deliverance. Selah. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye. Do not be like the horse or the mule, which have no understanding, which must be harnessed with bit and bridle, else they will not come near you. Now these are the words of God. And, and just keep verse 9 there. You see, God desires to instruct us and to teach us in the way of life because he's the shepherd of our souls. God desires to guide us in every matter of our lives. But the problem is that we often find ourselves having the posture of a mule or a horse, which Jesus says it lacks understanding. You are ordained to be a sheep, but your behavior is that of a horse and a mule. Have you ever seen someone trying to get, because a mule is like a donkey, a donkey to ferry water from one place to another. Have you ever seen the kind of nyahunyo they carry? And you wonder why God has been hard on you. Yeah? Do you have the posture of a sheep or the posture of a horse? You know, horse, a stallion, it's a, it's a beast of power. 
You see, a horse and a mule will take pride in their strength and in their agility, in that which God has vested within them. But they will exalt that over and above the position of the shepherd in their lives. Are you a horse or are you a mule or are you a sheep in the posture of your heart? You see, the horse and the mule are interesting creatures because they are strong and agile and capable of getting themselves out of difficult situations by their stubbornness and sheer might. They know how to run or kick their way out of bad situations. What's your reaction to life when things don't go according to plan? Is your first response to run to God or to run from the situation or to kick your way out of it? You see, God does not want us to have the posture of self-determination or stubbornness like a horse or a mule which are led by their instincts without understanding. God wants to deliver you from your instinctive proclivities because by instinct, we run away from God. This is what we learned last week. By instinct, by virtue of the fall, when God comes into a situation, we run away. And that is also the same behavior a horse has. It will run away from a situation that is not favorable to it. And so God desires for us to yield to him as sheep. Whether he takes you to the slaughterhouse, yield to him. Because when Jesus became the lamb who was slain, he yielded to the father. And because of his yieldedness, he was able to secure not only our eternal redemption, but he was able to usher us into the reality of eternal life. What do you think God will do when you yield to him based on the example of the shepherd of our souls? What do you think? You see, it's funny also, as I, as I come to the point of conclusion, it's funny that Christ is referred to in the Old Testament as well as in the New as the branch, as well as the lamb that was slaughtered. Meaning that Christ has modeled the kind of submission we need to emulate. Ah! as believers that are connected to him. Wow. I don't know where you find yourself today. I don't know how you're doing as a branch. Are you withered or are you healthy bearing fruit? As a sheep, are you multiplying? Are you bearing fruit? Are you providing wool? Are you bearing the testimony of the shepherd of your soul? Are you walking in paths of righteousness for his name's sake? Or are you just being horsing around <laughs> and being like a mule, left, right, and center, jumping and kicking and shouting and screaming, left, right, and center. I pray that you will capture the heart posture of a ship today. Yes. And I pray that you will, you will assume your position as a branch to be vitally connected to Christ, that you may bear fruit for his kingdom. Thank you very much. I will invite uh, the MC, uh, Dikontaracha, to conclude for us today's service. Thank you for listening to this audio. If you enjoyed it, be sure to subscribe and share with a friend.